Today is May 21st. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back. Happy Sunday. It's a brand new week. What y'all got going on this week? I pray that whatever it is, you slay it, you crush it, you show up as your best self, you get it done with confidence and excellence. I speak favor, faith, and just flow all over your life this week. But for now, for this moment right here, we are continuing our journey through the Bible. That's what you came for. And this spiritual discipline of growing and flowing in the Word and living it out really is like tending to a garden. And I know we've all heard that metaphor millions of times, but probably for good reasons. Maybe not millions, but you know what I mean. We're planting seeds of faith, of expectation, of reverence and love or whatever else it is that we want to produce. And then we're watering those seeds with the wisdom and truth of the word. And then we're tilling and watching as they grow and blossom into the fruit of our lives. Or maybe maybe it's into resplendent flowers that we can pick and prune to beautify our homes and hearts or to sustain our spaces and our spirits. But while a garden can be a place of nourishment and bounty, it can also be an unsightly hot mess of weeds, dead plants, and unkempt foliage if we don't give it the proper care and attention. So today, as we prepare to plow through this ground of scripture, let's be mindful to weed out any thorns of doubt and fear and hopelessness that may be choking out our faith and hindering our harvest. Let's also remember to trim any branches that are not bearing fruit or flowers and to fertilize our soil with prayer and praise and presence. Let's make our garden the best on the block, a place where God can dwell and bless us abundantly while we savor the complex aromas of his providence. And let's not be selfish either. Let's not be selfish with our yield. Let's share it with others who may be hungry and thirsty for God's word or how it manifests in our interactions with those around us. Today and the rest of this week, let's tend to our spiritual gardens mindfully, whatever that looks like for each one of us, nurturing our growth so that we really can flourish and blossom into the best versions of ourselves. Let's cultivate some joy and gratitude as we approach our word for today. Now we're reading from the New International Reader's Version this week. I think this is the first time that I've ever used this translation. So let's see how it goes. Let's get going, growing, and flowing in this word. First Samuel chapters 29 through 31. We will conclude the book of First Samuel today as well. Ashish sends David back to Ziklag. The Philistines gathered their whole army together at Aphek. Israel's army camped by the spring of water at Jezreel. The Philistine rulers marched out in groups of hundreds and thousands. David and his men were marching with Ashish behind the others. The commanders of the Philistines asked, Why are these Hebrews here? Ashish replied, That's David, isn't it? Wasn't he an officer of Saul, the king of Israel? He has already been with me for more than a year. I haven't found any fault in him. That's been true from the day he left Saul until now. But the Philistine commanders were angry with Ashish. They said, send David back. Let him return to the town you gave him. He must not go with us into battle. If he does, he'll turn against us during the fighting. In fact, he might even cut off the heads of our own men. 
What better way could he choose to win back his master's favor? Isn't David the one the Israelites sang about when they danced? They sang, Saul has killed thousands of men, David has killed tens of thousands. So Ashish called David over to him. He said, You have been faithful to me, and that's just as sure as the Lord is alive. I would be pleased to have you serve with me in the army. I haven't found any fault in you. That's been true from the day you came to me until today. But the Philistine rulers aren't pleased to have you come along. So now go back home in peace. Don't do anything that wouldn't please the Philistine rulers. But what have I done? asked David. What have you found against me from the day I came to you until now? Why can't I go and fight against your enemies? After all, you are my king and master. Ashish answered, You have been as pleasing to me as an angel of God. But the Philistine commanders have said, We don't want David to go up with us into battle. So get up early in the morning. Take with you the men who used to serve Saul. Leave as soon as the sun begins to come up. So David and his men got up early in the morning. They went back to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. David destroys the Amalekites. On the third day, David and his men arrived in Ziklag. The Amalekites had attacked the people of the Negev desert. They had also attacked Ziklag and burned it. They had captured the women and everyone else in Ziklag. They had taken as prisoners young people and old people alike, but they didn't kill any of them. Instead, they carried them off as they went on their way. David and his men reached Ziklag. They saw that it had been destroyed by fire. They found out that their wives and sons and daughters had been captured. So David and his men began to weep out loud. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. David's two wives had been captured. Their names were Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail from Carmel. Abigail was Nabal's widow. David was greatly troubled. His men were even talking about killing him by throwing stones at him. All of them were very bitter because their sons and daughters had been taken away. But David was made strong by the Lord his God. Then David spoke to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech. He said, Bring me the linen apron. Abiathar brought it to him. David asked the Lord for advice. He said, Should I chase after the men who attacked Ziklag? If I do, will I catch up with them? Chase after them, the Lord answered. You will certainly catch up with them. You will succeed in saving those who were captured. David and his 600 men came to the Besor Valley. Some of them stayed behind there. That's because 200 of them were too tired to go across the valley. But David and the other 400 continued the chase. David's men found an Egyptian in a field. They brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. They gave him part of a cake of pressed figs. They also gave him two raisin cakes. After he ate them, he felt as good as new. That's because he hadn't eaten any food for three days and three nights. He hadn't drunk any water during that time either. David asked him, Who do you belong to? Where do you come from? The man said, I'm from Egypt. I'm the slave of an Amalekite. My master deserted me when I became ill three days ago. We attacked the people in the Negev desert of the Carathites. We attacked the territory that belongs to Judah. We attacked the people in the Negev desert of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, 
Can you lead me down to the men who attacked Ziklag? He answered, Make a promise to me in the name of God. Promise that you won't kill me. Promise that you won't hand me over to my master. Then I'll take you down to them. He led David down to where the men were. They were scattered all over the countryside. They were eating and drinking and dancing wildly. That's because they had taken a large amount of goods from those they had attacked. They had taken it from the land of the Philistines and from the people of Judah. David fought against them from sunset until the evening of the next day. None of them escaped except 400 young men. They rode off on camels and got away. David got everything back that the Amalekites had taken. That included his two wives. Nothing was missing. Not one young person or old person or boy or girl was missing. None of the goods or anything else the Amalekites had taken was missing. David brought everything back. He brought back all the flocks and herds. His men drove them on ahead of the other livestock. They said, here's what David has captured. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too tired to follow him. They had been left behind in the Besor Valley. They came out to welcome David and the men with him. As David and his men approached, he asked them how they were. But some of the men who had gone out with David were evil. They wanted to stir up trouble. They said, the 200 men didn't go out into battle with us, so we won't share with them the goods we brought back. But each man can take his wife and children and go home. David replied, No, my friends, you must not hold back their share of what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe. He has handed over to us the men who attacked us. So no one will pay any attention to what you are saying. Each man who stayed with the supplies will receive the same share as each man who went down to the battle. Everyone's share will be the same. David made that a law and a rule for Israel. It has been followed from that day until now. David reached Ziklag. He sent some of the goods to the elders of Judah. They were his friends. He said, here's a gift for you. It's part of the things we took from the Lord's enemies. David sent some goods to the elders in Bethel, Ramoth, Negev, and Jatir. He sent some to the elders in Aroer, Sifmoth, Eshtemoah, and Rakal. He sent some to the elders in the towns of the Jeremelites and Kenites. He sent some to the elders in Hormah, Bor, Ashan, Aphak, and Hebron. He also sent some to the elders in all the other places where he and his men had wandered around. Saul takes his own life. The Philistines fought against the Israelites. The Israelites ran away from them, but many Israelites were killed on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines kept chasing Saul and his sons. They killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting was heavy around Saul. Men who were armed with bows and arrows caught up with him. They shot their arrows at him and wounded him badly. Saul spoke to the man carrying his armor. He said, pull out your sword, stick it through me. If you don't, these fellows who aren't circumcised will come. They'll stick their swords through me and hurt me badly. But the man was terrified. He wouldn't do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. The man saw that Saul was dead. So he fell on his own sword and died with him. Saul and his three sons died together that same day. The man who carried his armor also died with them that day. So did all of Saul's men. 
The Israelites who lived along the valley saw that their army had run away. So did those who lived across the Jordan River. They saw that Saul and his sons were dead. So they left their towns and ran away. Then the Philistines came and made their homes in them. The day after the Philistines had won the battle, they came to take what they wanted from the dead bodies. They found Saul and his three sons dead on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off Saul's head. They took his armor from his body. Then they sent messengers through the whole land of the Philistines. They announced the news in the temple where they had set up statues of their gods. They also announced it among their people. They put Saul's armor in the temple where they had set up statues of female gods that were named Ashtoreth. They hung his body up on the wall of Beth Shan. The people of Jabesh Gilead heard about what the Philistines had done to Saul. So all their brave men marched through the night to Beth Shan. They took the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Beth Shan. They brought them to Jabesh. There they burned them. Then they got the bones of Saul and his sons and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh. They didn't eat anything for seven days. John chapter 11 verse 55 through chapter 12 verse 19. It was almost time for the Jewish Passover feast. Many people went up from the country to Jerusalem. They went there for the special washing that would make them pure before the Passover feast. They kept looking for Jesus as they stood in the temple courtyard. They asked one another, what do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders. They had commanded anyone who found out where Jesus was staying to report it. Then they could arrest him. Mary pours perfume on Jesus at Bethany. It was six days before the Passover feast. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Lazarus was the one Jesus had raised from the dead. A dinner was given at Bethany to honor Jesus. Martha served the food. Lazarus was among the people at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. It was an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the sweet smell of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot didn't like what Mary did. He was one of Jesus' disciples. Later, he was going to hand Jesus over to his enemies. Judas said, why wasn't this perfume sold? Why wasn't the money given to poor people? It was worth a year's pay. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He said it because he was a thief. Judas was in charge of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. The perfume was meant for the day I am buried. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, so they came. But they did not come only because of Jesus. They also came to see Lazarus. After all, Jesus had raised him from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus too. Because of Lazarus, many of the Jews were starting to follow Jesus. They were believing in him. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. The next day, the large crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took branches from palm trees and went out to meet him. They shouted, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. 
This is just as it is written in scripture. It says, City of Zion, do not be afraid. See, your king is coming. He is sitting on a donkey's colt. At first, Jesus' disciples did not understand all this. They realized it only after he had received glory. Then they realized that these things had been written about him. They realized that these things had been done to him. A crowd had been with Jesus when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead. So they continued to tell everyone about what had happened. Many people went out to meet him. They had heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, This isn't getting us anywhere. Look how the whole world is following him. Psalm 118 verses 1 through 18. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His faithful love continues forever. Let the people of Israel say, his faithful love continues forever. Let the priests of Aaron say, his faithful love continues forever. Let those who have respect for the Lord say, his faithful love continues forever. When I was in great trouble, I cried out to the Lord. He answered me and set me free from my trouble. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere human beings do to me? The Lord is with me. He helps me. I win the battle over my enemies. It is better to go to the Lord for safety than to trust in mere human beings. It is better to go to the Lord for safety than to trust in human leaders. The nations were all around me, but by the Lord's power, I destroyed them. They were around me on every side, but by the Lord's power, I destroyed them. They attacked me like swarms of bees, but they were burned up as quickly as thorns in a fire. By the Lord's power, I destroyed them. I was pushed back and about to be killed, but the Lord helped me. The Lord gives me strength and makes me secure. He has saved me. Shouts of joy ring out in the tents of godly people. They praise him for his help in battle. They shout, the Lord's powerful right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's powerful right hand has won the battle. The Lord's powerful right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but live. I will talk about what the Lord has done. The Lord has really punished me, but he didn't let me die. Proverbs chapter 15 verses 24 through 26. The path of life leads up for those who are wise. It keeps them from going down to the place of the dead. The Lord tears down the proud person's house, but he keeps the widow's property safe. The Lord hates the thoughts of sinful people, but he considers kind words to be pure. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made and for the opportunity to just tend to our spiritual gardens with your word. We thank you for seeds of faith, of hope, and love, these seeds that you have planted deep in our hearts and for the water of your Holy Spirit that nourishes them. Lord, we thank you for the fruit and the flowers that you have produced in our lives, for the beauty and joy that they bring. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for any weeds of sin and disobedience that we have allowed to grow in our gardens. And 
Lord, we ask that you would help us to remove them with your grace and with your mercy and with your gentleness and your compassion. Lord, we ask you to prune any branches that are not bearing fruit in us. Remove it, get rid of it, and help us to grow more into your image and into your likeness, into the individuals who you have created us to be, who you have called us to be. Lord, we ask that you would just fertilize the soil of our souls with your presence and your power and to help us flourish in your will and your purpose. Lord, we just, we praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord, and for your wonderful, wondrous works in our lives. Lord, we pray that our spiritual gardens would be a place where you can dwell, a place where you can abide, a place where you can call us closer to you, Lord, where no sin separates us, Lord, from from who you are and from the relationship that you want to have with us, Lord, where we can just glorify you and enjoy you forever. Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord and Savior. Amen. And our affirmation for today, God loves me, period. I'll say it again. Our affirmation for today, God loves me, period. That's it. That's the post. And our aphorism, Satan is inconsistent. He persuades a man to not go to church, yet when the man does go, he follows him into it. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this epic journey with me. May the light of God's presence shine in your heart. May the warmth of his love embrace your soul. May the peace of his spirit fill your mind. May the wisdom of his word guide your steps. May the grace of his mercy heal your wounds. May the power of his resurrection lift you up. May the hope of his promise sustain you. May you always live in his joy and rest in his blessings. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.